Generations Church, welcome to our Christmas Eve service. You've heard some Christmas music, you've heard from our Advent readers, we've lit the Christ candle, and here we are, and it's, it's that moment, and, and I know that Pastor Paul's already asked you to, to have another candle that's lit and ready, and I hope that's out in front of you, and for all the people in your home, I hope you've got the candles we sent out, and we're going to do something together that is going to be kind of a visual, if you will, a visual aid of, of who Christ is to us, and Advent, the term Advent, talks about the first coming of Christ. The advent of Christ means when Jesus became human, right? We await the parousia, the return of Christ, but the advent, the advent is this first coming of Christ, this Christmas story that we love. And this year, I mean, it's right now, Christmas Eve 2020, it's not everything we'd hoped, right? There's restrictions on things, the virus is, uh, lots of people are sick, the virus count is crazy, the news is all over the place, the political struggles have been nuts, right? This has been just the worst year, and we all know that, but it's Christmas Eve, and, and, and no one can take that from us, it's Christmas Eve. This, this is the moment we celebrate Christ becoming human, God become flesh, the Son of God entering into human history. And he does so for you and for me. I want to start with the main idea. We'll put this on the screen. This is also in your app. If you're a note taker, it's in the app for you. The light of the world. Jesus is not just an infant in a manger. He is the son of God in human flesh. He came 2,000 years ago to bring light into a dark and broken world. That's good news for you and I today because we live in a dark and broken world, right? We just went through this crazy political season, right? And, and hopefully... <laughs> It'll settle down, but this just reminds us that we live in a broken world, and, and I, I don't remember who said it, but really, basically, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our American kind of founders said, you know, basically, we get the America we deserve. We, we will get who we deserve because it's, in, it's up to us, and so this is a broken world that we live in. Jesus came to bring light into that world. That's the idea behind the candles, right? That's it, reminding us as light is coming in, we start with one, we add another, we add another, we add another, and then we light the Christ candle. And it's to, to build up this anticipation of Christ coming to us. And so I want to pray, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, kind of the famous narrative of the story of the birth of Christ. And let's pray, and then we'll look into it. Jesus, as we gather together in our homes, with our families, we just admit that we wish it were a different way, right? We, we just admit that we wish that the restrictions weren't here or that the virus wasn't here. We, we admit that. But I pray that we open up our hearts to be willing to be satisfied with knowing that you came into human history for us, that you brought light into our world and I pray that we would hear that to, to such a degree that it, it, it causes us to go and be what you have called us to be. And, I, and we'll get there at the end. But Jesus, will you come? Will you speak to us tonight as we gather? We're your church. We want to hear your voice. We can do without some of the celebrations, some of the things we normally do. We can do without that. We can't do without you. So Jesus, will you speak, please? We are listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinius was the governor of Syria. 
<clears throat> this is a great like kind of time stamp or date stamp, if you will, for us, kind of a reference back at what point in history that this took place. And it gives us kind of a snapshot of the world that Jesus was born into. And so we get this, this, this kind of this starting point that, that sends us back 2,000 years and, and reminds us of the setting. Israel is under Roman authority. They're not who they would want to be. Uh, and we're going to hear the story of Joseph and Mary. We'll get there in a minute. But there's this, there's this setting, right? And the people of God are longing for what they've been promised by God, the Messiah, the Christ to come, the Savior of the world. They're longing for that. Kind of in the middle of all this, we are longing for life to be different, right? And, and they're in that space too. And so we get this snapshot that immediately draws us back into that moment. And if you're any fan of history at all, just that season right there was a challenge. And, and the people of God are crying out to God and they're longing for the Messiah to come, the promised one of God. Verse 2 says this, or excuse me, verse 3, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. It's little things like this, where this is this movement verse, if you will, kind of moves the story from here to here, and it's not just random, it's not just a detail, it's, it is a detail, but it's not random. It's about promises that God had made hundreds of years in advance, saying that the Messiah will be from this town, but he'll be born in this town. And so there's this, kind of this snapshot as Luke is putting together this story, he's telling us when and where and how this event that changed history, how it all came about and how it took place and how God sovereignly orchestrated all of the details so that you and I, even sitting here today, might be transformed by Christ. Verse 4 says this, and Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So there's where we go from Galilee, from Nazareth, up to Bethlehem, where the promise that the Messiah would be born. Because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. If you were with us on Sunday, we kind of walked through some of the craziness of the lineage of Joseph, right? So this is a different gospel author. This is Luke. We were in Matthew on Sunday, but we looked at the lineage of Joseph and, and the crazy story that is the beginning of this family that we're reading about here that actually bring us Jesus. And there's these just crazy stories of people and failures and sin and brokenness. And yet there's this kind of woven into it as this story of redemption. And then there's this other narrative of God's people doing well and God blessing them and then them you know, wandering away from God and sinning and then God sending them into exile and then bringing them back and same thing, they come back and it starts well but ends bad. It ends poorly. And so again, as we pick up this snapshot in Rome, or under Roman authority, not in Rome, but under Roman authority, we're just reminded that the story kind of weaves through this. There's this exile and freedom and slavery and freedom and just this kind of thing goes back and forth. And so it allows us to kind of set ourselves in that story as well. Verse 6, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, this is the moment, if you're a husband, if you're a father, this is the moment. This is the one you train for. You do drills, you time yourself, you got the shortest route from here to the hospital. You know what you're doing. The car's gassed up, you've got the bag, you know what you're supposed to do, right? This is the time to get your wife to the hospital. Now, I want you to imagine this. If you've ever been there, I want you to imagine this, they're actually on the road. They're not at home, right? They're not at home where her doctor and hospital are. 
probably not what it looked like, but you get the point, right? They're out in a whole other city in a foreign place. They're together, but she's like, hey, now. Now's the time. We're going to have a baby. Here's the story. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. Probably the most famous line in the whole Christmas story, right? She lays him in a manger. It's a trough for animals to eat and drink from, right? It's a trough. She lays him in a manger because there's no room for them at any of the hotels and the inns and the places you would stay. You know there's that moment where Mary's like, I told you to make reservations. It's the census. I told you it would be busy, right? There's no place for them to go. So they're kind of born in a barn, right? This is this setting. It was probably a, uh, a kind of a dugout from a cave where the animals would kind of huddle in and shepherds would kind of hang out to stay warm. They would kind of get that warmth together. But this was not a clean place. It was not a, a great place. This was no Holiday Inn or five-star resort or anything else. And the baby is laid literally in a trough, something that animals would eat and drink in. Right? This is our typical manger setting, right? A couple, a child, it's outdoors, and, you know, there's animals around there, and it's super cute. But there's no crib, and, and we know, and it just, it's, it just kind of gives us this idealistic view, or if you will, this very clean view of what's going on. But I want you to see it this way. Our Savior, Jesus, he goes from king of heaven to baby in a trough, right? Like this, he goes from the king of kings, the king of heaven, the son of God. And he's still all that, but baby lying in a trough. And it just, it needs to set this, this story up for us to understand how much God loves us, that, that, how much Jesus loves us, that he would, that he would go from the king, the, or, you know, the son of God in heaven, in all his glory, and that he would, that he would surrender some of that and, and limit it to human flesh and not even like human flesh in a palace, not even like human flesh in a, in a decent home, but we're talking human flesh, infant, baby, poor family, on the road, super inconvenient, laying in a trough. Here is Jesus in this moment, and he's humbled himself on purpose for you, for me, all the way down to this. Verse 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And there's this important contrast that's drawn for us here, and we don't always see it. I think sometimes we know the story so well, and we have an image in our minds of what that story is, that really we kind of just snap all the way up to the image we have in our minds, and the author paints sometimes some different details or a different portrait altogether for us. So I want to show you some of the contrast, the first contrast of the shepherds. And so as we look at the first set of characters beyond the family, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, right? As we look beyond that, shepherds. And in our little nativity scenes, they're super cute, right? We, like, we love the shepherds and the sheep. But shepherds were typically outcasts. They were oftentimes criminals who couldn't get other work. They, were, they had a horrible job. It was terrible to go out and sleep with the, with the animals at night, right? And, and it just they were not the best people. And so we get two things. We get shepherds and we get night. They're out with the flocks at night. It's cold, it's dark, it's whatever, and they're shepherds. They're, they're lowly. Maybe these shepherds were good shepherds. Maybe they weren't criminals, but they were kind of low on the status, if you will, of the culture. And so it's these lowly people out at night. That's the image we get. So we've got Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and an animal trough, right? King of heaven, animal trough. And then we've got shepherds over here at night. That's, this is where we're going, right? In the next verse, verse 9, 
It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And so now the next cast of characters comes in, and it's the angel, and, and, and this angel shines, and it's bright light. We go from shepherds and dark, we get angels and light, and it says this, and the angel, and angel, and angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And, and you can imagine this setting. An angel shows up really glowy at night, right? That's going to cause some fear. You didn't expect this. Again, Mary says, see, we totally should have had reservations, right? Here we are. But there's this picture of shepherds and dark and angels and light and, and kind of all this contrast going on around the story that also has great contrast. The king of heaven, the son of God, born kind of where animals eat, right? Here's the image that Luke is painting for us, kind of the image behind the scene. The glory of the Lord shone around them, it says. In verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, right? For all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that's for all people. That kind of fills in the blanks. Luke's telling us now why he's included this story and this story and how we've kind of, we're tying this divine story with this earthly story. And then kind of also in the same way, this divine, like these angels and the shepherds. And he says, because this is a message for all people. This isn't just for people with good status. This isn't just for people that look the right way or talk the right way or act the right way or have the right income or education. This is for all people. I bring you News, great news, oh, oh, joy for all people. Here's a note for you. We'll put this on the screen. Light and dark, low and exalted. Luke portrays Jesus as entering into hu in humanity in an animal trough with an audience of both outcasts and angels teaching us that Jesus is the Savior of all people. That's good news, right? Now, it's good news for you. It's good news for me. And it's good news for you and I no matter what our background is that the message of Jesus, that the message of the gospel, it's for you, it's for me, and, and, and it's irrespective of our backgrounds. It's irrespective of our income bracket. It doesn't matter who we voted for, the gospel is for us. And it reminds us when the shepherds and the angels and, and the Son of God becoming human in this humble way. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There couldn't be a more loaded sentence than this, right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, right? Our salvation was just born. And I don't mean like, our, you know, like as we just went through this political season, like people are trying to vote in the solution. I, it's just not that. This is Savior. From the beginning, God proclaimed a Savior would come all the way back when sin entered into human history, that someone would come in and defeat evil and that the people of God have been longing for this for thousands of years, anticipating this. And now, here's what we've got. Like, now, this is the moment. For us in modern-day Christianity, this is, the, this is the equivalent of, like, saying, now, this is the return of Jesus. This is when everything that is wrong gets made right. This is where evil is defeated and, and where, 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 where holiness and God has its victory ultimately. That's what's being said here. Unto you a, a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. He, Christ is, is the, the Greek word, the equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah, which really means the promises of God fulfilled in a person. They'd been waiting on a person 
that would be the fulfillment of all the promises of, of God making everything right, restoring the relationship between God and humanity, fixing the brokenness that sin had, had just left in all the earth, generation after generation after generation after generation, brokenness, sin, corruption, despair. Messiah was joy and life and healing and redemption. All those words are tied up into this, and that's what's said. See, this is this gospel proclamation moment, if you will, right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God is right now redeeming humanity. God who created you, loves you, designed you, made you, wants to be in relationship with you again, right? And so God is saying, listen, your sin has separated you from me, but right now in this child, this, this son of God born in a, and really placed in a trough, where angels are singing and shepherds are being spoken to, and just this whole kind of contrast, light and dark and, and heaven and earth, all this comes into play in the gospel. That God himself has come to enter into our story for us because of our sin, right? maybe even in spite of our sin. As we have all run away from God, done what God has told us not to do, we know we all do wrong. And, but God didn't have to pursue us. He could have just let us reap the penalties of what we've done, but instead God in his love pursues us. His promise is a savior will come and, and all my promises will be fulfilled in the Messiah, the Christ, our Lord. And so Jesus is born and God becomes flesh and a savior is born and the promises of God are fulfilled in this little tiny crazy story in a manger where this humble beginning actually will become the king of kings again. Now, they don't all know this yet, and, and the, I'm sure the angel who speaks does, but for sure Mary and Joseph have not got all the pieces together. And the shepherds don't know, and, 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 and here's this humble beginning. But it's God saying, listen, here it is. Here are my promises fulfilled in flesh. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So here's how you'll know, right? Because if you're telling shepherds, listen, you're going to go find the Savior of the world, they're probably going to not look in a manger, right? They're going to probably look something greater, something bigger, something flashier, right? If I'm going to, how is God going to enter into human history? I'm thinking bigger, right? I'm lights and flashing and it's going to be great. And, and here it is like poverty and brokenness and nowhere to go. But that's what we need. And so these shepherds, these outcasts, oddly, are, are some of the first ones ever told about a Savior. Some of the ones who probably need a Savior the most, so that makes sense, but not the people that most get those announcements, right? Not royalty, not rich people, shepherds. But then here's this. Here's how you'll know you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger because no one would expect that. No one would even believe that. Because it's so low for the God of heaven. It's so dirty and unbecoming and not God, right? And not, not royal, not big, but that's the gospel. But the gospel is that, that God would condescend all the way to the lowest for us. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not not gave him in such a glorious way, but gave him in such a low and humble way that Jesus would condescend to this 
because he loves you, because he loves me. Verse 13, and suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. It's, our author kind of peels back the curtain a bit. And it's not just an angel speaking to some shepherds. It is heaven rejoicing. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Like now, here is, this is the entirety of the plan. The son of the king is here. And yes, it looks nondescript. Yes, it looks something other, but it's Jesus. It's the savior of the world. And all of heaven is rejoicing. And it invites us, the reader, this year, no matter our circumstances, because none of us are laying in a manger right now, so we really probably have nothing to complain about. Yeah, things we wish they were another way, but we're probably at home right now. If you're watching this, you at least have internet, right? And so here we are, and we realize that Jesus stooped lower than we're in right now, and he did so for us, and so it reminds us to join the chorus of angels and sing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, right? It reminds us that there's a bigger story, bigger than coronavirus, bigger than America, bigger than the planet right now, because the God who made all of that has just entered into our story in human flesh. He did so, and heaven rejoices. It says, when the, verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Do you want to know more about this? I guess that's the, the thing I see in this, is the shepherds want to know Jesus. The shepherds want to know what this means. They want to, they want to dive deeper in. They want to follow what they've been told and they want to go scout it out. They want to know. If you're at home right now and you're watching us, you're watching us wherever you are, and you're seeing this, this is that time where I would just say, if you don't know Jesus now, now is the moment. Maybe you've heard something. You're like, man, I, I hadn't heard that before. Maybe you want to know more about Jesus. Man, uh, that's why we're here. We want to tell you about Jesus. We want to tell you that there's a God who loves you and sent his son for you, that Jesus came for you, and that he will go on after this to live a life of nothing but glorifying God, a, a sinless life, a life that you and I are called to live, but we have all failed. And then he will die a brutal death in our place, taking our place, taking our penalty and our punishment. Like if we went out and committed a crime and got taken to court and, and the, just the gavel's ready to come down, Jesus stands in the gap and says, no, I pay the penalty. I'll pay the penalty for him, for her. I'm in. I've got this. That's our salvation. Jesus dies that death in our place and then resurrects back to life, ascends back to heaven now where we can know him. He is alive today. And much like these people awaited, these people 2,000 years ago awaited the story of the Messiah, we long for the day where he returns completely, making everything right that fixes the brokenness that we have contributed to in the world. If you want to know more about that Jesus, that's why we're here. If you're at home and you're a follower of Jesus and you're hearing this story and like, man, I haven't noticed that before. I didn't realize all that was going on in the story. Maybe it, it kind of pushes you into knowing more. That's where the shepherds are. They just want to know more about this Jesus. They want to find out the thing they have been told. They want to go see. They want to go know. They want to go, they want to go understand. Verse 16, it says, And they went in haste 
and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I tell you about who the shepherds are in this culture because I want you to hear that imagine them coming in and they're probably, they probably smell like the sheep they were with. Let's just say that. And they join Mary and Joseph and the Son of God in a manger. And, but they tell them, like, listen, angels told us about this and we're coming to worship Jesus. Just snap back to that one person in the manger right now, Mary who remembers when the angel Gabriel spoke into her life and said, listen, you're going to be pregnant with a child that is not from a man. It's from God. This child is from God. It's the Savior of the world. Snap back to the story, and right next to her, here's Joseph, and Joseph remembers, saying, man, I heard this. She's pregnant, and I just, I wanted out of this relationship, but God spoke to him in a dream and said, no, Joseph, she's done nothing wrong, and I've chosen you to be with her and help raise my son, and Joseph did so. And just be in their shoes for a minute and listen as you hear about another divine story of who this child is. That's the story in the manger. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This Christmas journey starts with a young girl whose life was just upended as she's told she's pregnant and it's a miraculous pregnancy. But she then goes through these series of things. Her fiance doesn't believe her and she just goes through so much. And then they're out on the road and, and away from home when the child comes and there's nowhere to go but they find this, this place where animals lay down and rest and they set this child in a trough and, they, and yet angels sing and Shepherds come and worship, and so much takes place here. And there's this overarching, just kind of peace and, 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 and this story of God entering into our story, that Jesus has come. That's this Christmas journey, right? It, it starts by upending someone's life, and it ends in a chorus of angels in heaven singing glory, glory to the highest peace on earth. You know, right now, we need that. We, it, in our life right now, with all that's going on, we just need that moment where the heavens kind of part a little bit, and we get to see the light. We get to see the joy. We get to see and hear the songs in heaven right now. That's why Christmas is so important this year. That's why Advent slows us down and draws us into this moment and kind of focuses myopically on some of the details, some of the things we never really look at and remind us that it's all about Jesus. Yes, Christmas is named after the Christ, but we forget. We get so busy. We get so wrapped up in our thing that we forget really it's not even about us. It's about Jesus. We need a reminder this year. We, we need to know who Jesus is and, and, and how he meets us in this moment. I, I want to read something to you. It's John chapter 1. This is, remember I said, you know, Matthew begins one way, Luke begins another, John begins this way. I think that was Sunday's message. But he says this, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus was, because he is God. He was with God, and he is God. He was the Word of God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made, made. And in him was life, and life, here it is, life is the light of, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The, that, that light, Jesus become flesh, Jesus entering into our story, he's coming in to be light. Life is the light of men life of men, excuse me, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light has come and nothing can overcome Jesus in this world. Jesus will go on to say in the same gospel, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So here's this image that John uses throughout his gospel. He says, Jesus, who is God, became flesh. And when he did so, he brought the light of God into the world. And then Jesus will go on and pick up that theme and say, I am the light of the world. No one who is in me walks in darkness. That's why we do candles for Advent. We remind ourselves that, that Jesus became human, that the light of God entered into human history. And so I'm going to invite you, as you had your, your candle lit when we did what we call the Christ candle. These are the, you know, the Advent candles leading up to tonight, where Jesus actually enters into the story, and it's all anticipation and, and looking forward to this. And I'm going to invite you to take the candles we gave you, and just, you can do this by tipping them over into the one that is lit. And when you have your candle, you and your family, when everyone has their candle, and you're, they're lit, and you have this, if you have the opportunity, maybe just kind of dim and bring everything down for this moment. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to hold your candle. And Pastor Paul is going to come, and he's going to lead us in some worship where we remind ourselves that Jesus is the light of the world and that we have Christ with us. Will you join us as we worship?